live in a world that struggles with feeling busy and overwhelmed. At the same time, us mamas want to feel we're living intentionally and with purpose. At the end of the day, you won't have to sit worn out on the couch feeling like it all just wasn't enough. Here, you'll find the tools to slow it down, nurture your own goals, and live restored. Each week, we have real-life conversations about motherhood, work, relationships, and all the things in between. I'm your host, Jen Brazil. Welcome to the Unhurried Life Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 37 of the Unhurried Life. I am your host, Jen Brazil, and this week I have the pleasure of bringing to the table one of the most amazing women I have ever met. And seriously, this lady does not meet somebody she is not already best friends with or will become instantly best friends with. She knows everyone or knows someone that knows someone and it pays off because she has had some pretty amazing experiences, ones that you hear about and you just say to yourself, oh my goodness, how did you get to do that? And she explains how she got to do that, such as fun events like Emmys and Grammys, but I don't want to spoil too much. I want Carrie to get to talk to you about that. Being gutsy, taking a plunge, doing things we never thought we would be able to do. That's what Carrie's all about. So dive on in here with me and let's chat to all of our friends, Carrie. Okay, well, thanks so much for doing this. And thank you just for giving me your time in between Paris and jet setting and celebrities. (laughs) Well, I want to talk to you about bravery, which I know is like the theme of your life. (laughs) And I want to hear just a little bit about you. And hopefully that leads into fun conversation about all the fun things you get to do because you're so brave. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's probably my parents raised me. I've got uh, people who laugh that I've got gumption for days. I also am not a perfectionist, which I think plays in, in my favor. But you're type A. I'm very type A, but here's the thing. I don't believe in things needing to be ready. I just go for it. And so I do a lot of things. It's not even they do them bad. It's just like I can have a janky website and I'm not going to wait for it to be perfect before I email someone and say, hey, you want to have a partnership? I don't even, I mean, I'll be honest with you. My website for my speaking, it could be way better. Um, I don't even always give a demo reel for people. But the point was I decided I was going to be a speaker and I, and I decided, what? was the bare minimum I needed to be a speaker. And a lot of people wait, well, I've got to do eight things. I got to create this old demo reel. I got to cut all these things together. And I'm like, well, you're missing a year of opportunities. So yeah, I mean, I guess a little backstory on me, I have been an entrepreneur for gosh, I don't know, maybe like six, five, six years. And I've been speaking part-time all of those years. And I went full-time speaking and motivating people in 2017. So about two years, honestly, I started in September of 2017 and I have not looked back. (laughs) So how do you keep your life sane and on track while you're traveling so much? Because you travel for work. I travel a lot for work, for speaking. I have a calendar. So I have a planner. I I live and die by this. It's a paper planner. It goes down every trip, everywhere. And I have yet to lose it in the the eight years I've had the same planner. And it's very basic. It's just a month planner. So I only have the date per month, if you will. And it just keeps me on track. It lets me know where I need to be. My phone calendar also tracks all my flights and my hotels and Airbnb. Once I overbooked, I I booked a flight twice. And I was like, oh, wait, I already have a flight to Chicago. But for the most part, I can kind of keep things going. I've kept my inbox, you know, fairly down to as minimum as I can. So it's just a matter of staying on top of things. And when I'm on the road, it's fine. It's the issue. Sometimes I'll stop and see people. And that's when it gets kind of hard because then I'm trying to be fully present. And so the inbox time and I've got to think about other things. Yeah, because you're actually really great about responding, which is super impressive. <laughs> Not always, but I try to be as much as I can. I try to, you know, get back to people. And, and like yesterday, I had some time off. It wasn't, I had nothing pressing, if you will. So I was able to really knock out some emails yesterday and think about things and write a list. I just write a to-do list every day. So it's 
really just having systems. I'm very type A. But I also have a calendar on my wall that I color code. That's actually the number one thing I tell people to do. I've been doing it for two years. It's my second year doing it. I buy it on Amazon and I can give you a link if you want to share to your listeners. But it's a full year calendar. It's actually a whiteboard calendar. Which I just cut tiny little post-it notes. What I like about it, which is what people say to do, is it gives me a full year view. Someone suggested it. So I did it last year with speaking. Basically, what's helpful about that, and I would say for anyone who has a, you don't have to be a traveler, but anyone who has a lot of commitments, it helps me know when I have low seasons and high seasons for the year. So someone, some people say that what happens is people get burnout because they don't look at the year marathon. They look at it as like, oh, I've got to sprint through January and then they don't have the energy for February versus I can go, oh, January's not going to be that bad, but February's going to be hard. So let me rest a little bit more in January and sprint in February. So it gives you, it's a, it's a marathon versus a sprint. Which is super helpful to look at things like that because I think I even forget to do that sometimes. Yeah. And I use it for goal setting too. I actually cut as many speaking gigs as I want. I put it at the top. And then as I get speaking gigs, I pull them off the top. And so I'm able to see, oh, I'm getting closer to my goal. That's awesome. You do all that with post-its. All with post-its, all color cut it. And I only do things that are speaking. I do vacation. I do days off, very specific meetings I have, but I don't do like dentist appointments and anything that's non a whole day of my life or, or something that's a priority. So little things you just keep in your phone. Yeah, I keep my phone or I keep in a paper calendar, but but it's really only, okay, I am unavailable to people this day, or I'm going to be physically gone this day. So not every day. There's a lot of open gaps in it, but it's really just to go, okay. And it's also to ca- help me count how many speaking gigs I'm doing in a month to know whether it's going to be a hard month or not. I love following things you're doing and just hearing stories about it. Speaking of stories, part of being brave and part of just going for it means you get to do a lot of things that a lot of people are afraid of doing. So tell me about a time that you did something brave and got to do something really fun. So this year I was writing a talk. 75% of my talks are on culture. I talk about work culture. Really, it's a lot about kindness. How do you create a kinder culture for your company that creates better employee engagement? 25% of my talks are a sister to that in the sense that they're about rejection and bravery. And part of it was people don't do acts of kindness because they're not brave enough to do them. It's really not that people don't know how to be kind. It's people go, well, I don't want to be awkward at work. So I started creating these talks. Well, hey, what if we did all these really brave things? Could we make the world a better place? If we just stopped being so afraid of reactions from people, like what if we had a candy jar at work and we were the weird candy person at work and people started interacting with us and we got to build these relationships? Wouldn't that be a cool experience? So I was getting ready to do a talk actually for people who are in transition, unemployed people trying to find a job. And I was doing a talk about how to be brave. And the night before was the Golden Globes. And I was watching the Golden Globes while I was like cleaning up my slides. And I mean, the talk was done, but I was cleaning it up and I was looking over to make sure I had the correct order and stuff. And I was watching it and I was like, who are all these people at the Golden Globes? Like, I don't recognize these people. All these shots, I was like, these just look like random people. And I started Googling and I realized that in fact, random people go to these award shows. And so the next day I gave my presentation and I said, yeah, you know, I was watching the Golden Globes and, you know, my act of bravery is I'm going to figure out how people get into to these award shows. And I looked at my calendar and the Grammys were next in line. They were in February and I was actually going to be out in Los Angeles already for an event. And so I was like, well, this is perfect. I Googled a ton of websites, did a ton of research, read a lot of news articles. And I found a website. You apply, you write an application, you send your photo in and then you write, I guess a little resume. I didn't really have a resume based on what I'm doing. It, like you wanted a resume. A lot of those people are in the in the acting field. So it made sense. So I sent like a cover letter of why I wanted to go. Sure, I read about Taylor Swift in some part of it about why. And she's not, she wasn't there. And I got an email. Me 
two weeks before the Grammys, and it was just literally a ticket to the Grammys. It was a print, print the ticket out, bring it, here's where you show up, here's what you wear, here's what you do. So I went in February, I think February 11th was the Grammys this year, and, and it, you sit in people's seats while they go to the bathroom, essentially, or why they win an award, or if they go home. So you fill the empty seats so the audience looks full, and there's about six hundred of us, maybe 300. Um, they divided us into different roles. So I got to sit with some cool people. Y- you kind of have to reactionally check yourself because you're like, oh, you're Diana Ross and I'm climbing over your dress right now. And I'm trying to like visually not make a face. Okay. What are the odds of getting to go do that? 1% is I think what the odds are. I think 30,000 people apply and I think 300 get it. But I always tell people 1% is more than zero. And so that's the difference. That's what bravery is. It's, are you willing to take the 1% shot? So I didn't actually, I applied for the Emmys with the same company and I didn't think I'd get it because it is a random selection. It is, they have an algorithm. I'm not sure what the algorithm is, but I got picked again. And I think it might be because once you go and you do well, I think that they would rather keep alum who know how to do it. And so when I got there, they, well, they welcome back. They recognized me. And it, it only been about seven, six, seven months. But I was like, oh, this is bad. And I, I mean, I don't have that much of a recognizable face, but yeah, they're like, welcome back. Thanks for being here. I'm sure you were like flagged, right? I mean. Well, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I think that your profile probably tracks, it tracks the events you attend. So your profile probably rises the more you attend because you're not a problem for them. The issue is you've really got to not be a problem for those people. And so if you become a problem, they don't want you to come back. If you don't follow the rules, there's a lot of ways that make their jobs nightmares if you don't follow the rules. And it's, I've seen people not do it. I didn't really, at the Emmys, I actually talked to every person I sat with. The rule is you're not supposed to start the conversation. So if they start the conversation, you can talk as much as you want. So I talked to every single person. I sat with. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of people knew what I was doing. And um, the person joked when the person came back that they would rather trade me for him. I don't know who he was. But they said, we'd rather have her than you as I climbed over uh, all these people getting out the row. Yeah, I sat with a guy who was actually the director. He's on the board of directors for the Emmys. And he, and every commercial break, we sat with him for about 30 minutes. And the girl next to me and him, the three of us talked. And every commercial break, he asked what we did for a career. He shook our hands on the way out. I mean, he was dead. And he had won Emmys before for something. So he was definitely very famous, but he wasn't current 2019 famous, if you, if you, you know. The thing I realized about the Emmys is so many of those people are are non-facing famous. They weren't famous, but they were very famous in their industry versus the Grammys. Everyone's very forward-facing for the most part. You know, even producers are still very forward-facing. So like there were people I'm, I'm sure I talked to that were probably very famous and I had no clue who they were because they're not because they're back behind the scenes. Okay. Are you allowed to tell me somebody you sit next to at the Grammys that was like you were starstruck? I sat with Anna Kendrick from Pitch Perfect. I climbed over her. Yeah, I sat with her. She sat to my right... Kelsey Ballerini sat down the row on the left, and then Miley Cyrus sat in front of me. Oh, Miley. How is she? (laughs) She seems to be good. That's just so awesome. And that is such a great picture of just taking a chance and bravery. So I know this advice might be simple, but what advice would you have to someone that's just wanting to make a big change in their life or wanting to go for something? Okay. Well, so so it's not that simple for the big change. Small changes are easy. For, For big changes, I tell people... Baby steps. Like, I think, I think the problem is you, people just want to rip band-aids off and try it. Like you cannot go from afraid to unafraid in, in, a, in a sentence. You know what I mean? Like if you have some gumption and some bravery, you can go a little faster. Like I'm a go big or go bigger. I don't ever go home kind of personality, but some people go home. Does that make sense? And so you've really got to go small and then go a little bigger and then a little bigger and then a little bigger. Really, it's just baby steps. It's, you know, it's breaking a goal down. Okay. If your goal is to be in Oprah magazine someday, we'll maybe start with a local magazine, get in with your local press, start building relationships with people on a higher level. For me, I've already emailed Oprah magazine because I just don't have to do the baby steps because I've trained myself to go big and not be afraid of rejection. But if you are so afraid of being rejected by them, don't start there. Start smaller and build towards it is what I tell people. Like, 
It's too terrifying. Really, the, ha- the problem is I could ask almost any person. They've got something sitting in their in- inbox right now in drafts that they don't, they're too afraid to hit send on because they're too afraid of. And, and I'll be really honest. People are more afraid of success than failure. So getting the Oprah magazine is actually scarier than them telling you no. Why do you think that is? Um, because it means your life will change. Success means you have a change, whether it means you lose relationships because your life, you, you up level and you're in a different spot than people, or you become busy, or you, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you start a business and your business explodes. All of a sudden you, you don't have the luxury of being a stay-at-home mom. You're now a working mom. So there's a lot of change that comes with success because it means that you have to navigate something that you don't have to navigate in failure. So a lot of people are more afraid of that change than they are of the status quo. Like if you fail, nothing really changes about your life. If you succeed, a lot has potential to change. Okay, so tell me about your reaction when you got the ticket to the Grammys and then again to the Emmys. Oh, for the Grammys, I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I got this. It was such a casual email. I was like, what is this? I opened the email and I'm like, this is just a ticket. This is just a straight ticket that says like whatever the 40, you know, they, you know, whatever year it was at the Grammys that I'm like, and then they sent an email following up a little more information. So I was like, oh, okay. Yes, it was very exciting. I texted a bunch of people like, oh, yes, I'm going. It was, I, I mean, I was very excited. It was something I'd always, it was just a very cool bucket list thing. For the Emmys, I had to actually rearrange some stuff. I was like, mm, I didn't think I'd get it. I really thought the odds of you get to go once actually lowered it, not but now when I think about it, it makes sense. They want alum coming back. There was quite a lot of alum there as well. Like most of the people in the line had been with this company doing something at some point in time. So it wasn't like, I mean, it was probably 50-50. And I was, you know, the first time I went to the Grammys, I was in the category, I've never done this before, but I was with people who had done it before. Yeah, I mean, it was really exciting. I think the Emmys were more like, I actually also went to the CMT Awards doing the same thing. So this was my third award show. Yeah, I sat with a lot of people at the CMTs. All very different, all very different shows, all very different structure, all very different celebrities, if you will. Um, yeah, I saw Kelsey Ballerini again. I was like, oh, I can't sit with her again because it's going to be too embarrassing to be like that girl. Like, hey, I'm just sitting in your seat again. Just chilling. That's really funny. Okay, what'd you wear? I wore Rent the Runway for both the Grammys and the Emmys. And I actually just wore a dress from Target for the CMTs because it's more casual. They don't want you to wear high-end stuff. The celebrities tend to wear shorter clothes to the CMTs. The CMA Awards is black tie. But CMT is very casual. Like People are playing out on Riverside, like a Riverside stage. Like it's, it's very it's very shorter dresses, if that makes sense. And fun clothes and casual. So you couldn't be fancy for that. So you have to wear certain colors. You have to wear dark colors. Like I would have worn hot pink dresses to all of these, but you can't. You can't upstage the celebrities. You can't be like, you can't be on TV where someone's watching like, who's that girl? You got to really blend into the background. Okay, that makes sense. So did you like get your hair done and makeup or did you just do it yourself? Not for the CMTs, but I did for the Grammys and the Emmys. I found someone in LA both times. I used two different people. And honestly, it was just fun. Like, yes, it was an investment, but I was like, how many times in my life am I going to do this? I thought the Grammys would be it. I really didn't think I would do a million and two other things. So I kind of was like, well, might as well. I'm here. You know, I actually did rent the runway for a month. So you can rent clothes for a month. You pay like a payment for a month. And then it's actually not a bad investment. If you're going to the Emmys and the Grammys and CMT and all that. Right, exactly. Okay, so what would you say to somebody who is just normal life at home mom or just someone that maybe doesn't have their own business? How would you advise them on being brave or stepping out of their comfort zone? So thinking about moms and realizing that a lot of what we do kind of can feel like a rut and feel like we're stuck. How could we break out of that and make a change or create a life that is more what we want versus something we feel like we have to do. 
Right. Yeah. More of a stuck. I think you have to, I think it's again, baby steps. I also think you have to, a lot of times what happens is you kind of feel like, Oh, well, everyone does this certain plan or everyone does a certain way. And I was listening actually yesterday, I was listening to some quote about you really have to make things work for you. So the wall thing really works for me, but it may not work for other people who don't think in color coded, you know, color coded patterns. So it's really, okay. What is the most effective way for you to feel productive and on top of life? It's really more a matter of, I think a system. Okay. So where do you want to go? And then really breaking it down. Okay. Maybe you want to start a mom's group. Maybe you want to start a, a prayer journal. So, uh, you know, really having a game plan and then going from there with your game plan of it's really just one step after another and, and not giving up. What happens is people give up. They, it gets too hard. The hard middle is what I always call it. The middle is where people give up. People don't give up at the beginning and people give up at the end. It's when you get into that middle, like that messy middle that people go, oh, this is too hard. It's not worth it. Okay. So how do you figure out where you want to go? Years back when you said, I want to be speaking more put that in your heart. Oh, I had been speaking, uh, people had asked me to speak and I hadn't really loved it at the time. It wasn't my favorite thing. And, and just enough people were time said, Hey, you're really good at this. Have you thought about making a career of it? And I thought, well, I don't know. And I started doing some research and I mean, I, again, it's my personality. I, I decided in, in June, I was going to look into speaking. I started doing some research. August, I pitched myself. I got a gig the next day. And then my second paid gig was about 1300 people. I delivered a, a convocation keynote at a college. So I went from zero to 60. I go, you know, and then I haven't looked back. I, I joke that someday Pepsi would be my client. And I think people rolled their eyes. And I actually today I'm signing a contract with the Coca-Cola bottling company. So I'm like, you know what? You go big or you go big. I think it's really about what you say you can do. People are going to tell you what you're not capable of doing. I mean, they're, they're just going to tell you that. That's like how life goes. What do you feel like's next for you? What's the next big thing you're going to be brave about? That's a good question. I, well, by the time people listen to this, I will have already launched it, but I am in the process of launching a product-based company. So I'm going to sell product. What product? It's called the Kind Socks. It's a sock company. That sounds awesome. Please tell me more. It'll be readily available to all listeners. But yeah, basically just socks that are going to impact people. So every pair will have an impact on someone else, whether we're uh, donating money, donating socks. It won't be a one-for-one -one sock donation. We might donate books to underprivileged kids. So for every sock you buy, we might donate one book or we might donate a dollar to build a well. Okay, so before you started speaking, before you did all this, what did you do? What did you go to school for? Um, education. I have an early education degree, about two years of preschool. I didn't know that. I was education. Most educators actually go into speaking. Really? It's a pretty common um, occurrence that people leave the education field because you are educating people as a speaker and you already learned to be in front of audience. Yeah. Most of the time the audiences come up to your thigh, but... But, but you've been in front of people enough, whereas most people at work don't have a... Unless you're giving presentations, you don't have the experience. So it, it's experiential being in front of... Because I was in front of three-year-olds, but I was still in front of people for two years. It makes a difference. Um, that makes sense. So tell me a little bit about how you were raised to have all this gumption. Uh, my dad. So my dad is... I mean, both my parents. But my dad was far more than my mom as far as... We always joke, my mom's the break and my dad's the gas. Like He's always like, go, go, go. He just told us that anything is possible. And not like... I mean, I remember, gosh, probably, probably a decade ago, I told my dad this big dream I had. And, and, and what happens when kids tell their parents dreams is, it's, or you you tell anyone your dream, people accidentally crush your dreams. They say, Oh, well, do you have enough followers? Do you have enough email lists? Do you have enough fill in the blank for whatever you're saying you want to do? And versus my dad, I remember him saying, well, do your homework. Like if that's really what you want to do, go study this thing for a year and then come back in a year and tell me whether or not you're qualified for this. And so he really taught me this idea of being a student of all the things you want. So again, when I went to look for the Grammys, it wasn't like I'm going to the Grammys, whatever it was. What do I need to 
do to get myself there. And I did a lot of homework and then I realized, okay, this is exactly the path to do it. And it's going to be yes or no. But even if I got a no, it would be actually, they actually email you the no. So I was like, well, this would be great. I can use this regardless. If I get a no, I'll use this to say, well, at least I tried. I got, I got told no, you can't go to the Grammys, but who else, you know, most people don't get even told no. So it's really a matter of, um, this idea of living without a ceiling. So, I mean, I've emailed CEOs of companies because I just, you know, I emailed the head of people at Southwest Airlines about something, about speaking, honestly. And I just was like, I mean, she sent me an email back. She, I mean, they obviously were not going to hire me, but she sent an email back. And I was not, I've been speaking like for two months, not legit enough to be emailing her. But it's really this idea of we, we, we put people in categories because of social media. Um, and we say, oh, that person's got half a million followers, so out of reach. And we, we create this sub divided category where people become unreachable. And I just, humans are humans. Whether you're the CEO of a company or you're the janitor, you're still accessible to me. And I think people create this, uh, this narrative where I can't email her because I'm not qualified. So I just don't have that narrative in my head. My parents never created a narrative that said, you can't talk to that person or you can't do that. And so I grew up kind of thinking that, that anything was possible. And so you live that way. What would you say to someone that didn't grow up like you? Well, I think you have to filter. It's a filter. I mean, I have plenty of people in my life who say to me, oh, I don't know if you should. I mean, I had people say, oh, you're never going to speak at Pepsi. And I spoke at Target and Jack Daniels this year. And I'm like, that's equivalent to me. That's a, that's a large corporation. So it's really a matter of, I failed at speaking. I've gotten on stages and done a poor job. Like, that's just the nature of it. I mean, people, you know, any career you have, you're going to have bad days where you mess up and it's awful. So it was more a matter of, do you have a filter to go? And I've had to remove people out of my life. Okay, you're a negative person in my life. You don't add value. And you can't for everyone, but you know, you can't be like, Oh, my mother-in-law, I'm getting rid of her. But you know what I mean? I think it's more a matter of, are you filtering the people in your life? Are you surrounding? I have a mastermind now that meets at my house once a month. And it's all these girls that own businesses. And it's really simply that to tell the other people in the room, Hey, you can do it. You know, some girls, some girls doing some productions in like production mess right now. And we're just like, you know, it'll get better. It'll get better. You just have to kind of tell people you want to surround yourself with people that believe in you ultimately. And so it's a matter of going, okay, if you don't believe in me, I have to get rid of you. So that's what it comes down to. It's not so much a, whether you were raised to think you can do anything or not. It's more a matter of, can you shift your mindset? I actually read a book that I would recommend to people. I read a book last year called The Big Leap. It's a book, um, I don't know his name, but it's got two, it's got a fish jumping into a bigger hole. And the concept about this whole book, and it's a little complicated to listen to, it's very lengthy. It's this idea that people self-sabotage. So people don't want to be, it's about, it's about this idea that we keep ourselves small because of what people think about us or what we say about ourselves. And so the whole book is about getting to the next level and what it means to get to the next level. And I loved it because for, for women, it talked a lot about how women don't like to accept money. It's really hard for people to feel like, Oh, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting a thousand dollars to do this. Like I don't feel valued. Um, so it's about value exchange. So I always recommend that the book to people, if people are having a mindset struggle where they're kind of like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know if you ever have people that go, well, I don't deserve it as much as she does, or I'm not ready for that opportunity. The book is about how to get opportunity and accept opportunity well. Yeah, it just makes your mind hurt. You're like, whoa, that's a concept. And it, it divides into three categories, like three child, it goes back to your childhood and three things in childhood. And I can't remember what they were. I think mine that I fell into more was I don't like to make people uncomfortable. And so I would downplay a lot of things. And or I would not tell people or I would feel awkward for like, I would feel like I need, oh, I'm sorry, I went to the Grammys and you didn't get to go, even though you didn't apply. Like then I, I became apologetic narrative instead of like, no, I applied and I went and it was awesome. And you can go too. That's the narrative I had to shift to. But it really, I had a mindset before listening to it of like feeling like I needed not to lie, but just to not make people feel uncomfortable about my life. That's bold. I mean, in a good way, in a good way, because a lot of people stay timid with that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that was the whole point of the book is people stay small. And I guess that's just because that's a culture we live in. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. 
yeah, we live in a very like male, not even male dominated culture, but this idea that like, should women be making money and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you are extremely unique and I know we've already talked about bravery and everything. What is something else you think that you're doing right now that is a little bit against the grain of normalcy? Well, I think just being an entrepreneur is stepping out of your comfort zone and pushing yourself. I think the thing too is defining what success means, if that makes sense. So I think people have a very normal linear definition of success. And that's like, for me, I'm like, no, what are the adventures I can have? What are the things I can go do? What are the things I can, you know, like this year has been actually a little crazy because I've been traveling so much, but I'm like, this might be the year I look back on and be like, all the things I've gotten to do this year have been incredible as far as what I've been able to cram into one whole year of my life. And then I'm launching another company. So in 2020, it'll be a whole nother story. Yeah, it's just, it's just a dance of how do you, you figure out you know, what do you want your life to look like? And then kind of defining it based on that. So it all feels very normal to me. Like even you, I mean, people obviously can't see this, but I have a big bed that I won from the Ellen show behind me, but it's this idea of that feels very normal to me. Like I went to a taping and I won a bed and that was kind of standard for my life on point. So it's really defining what do you want your life to be? And then living in those lines of, of having, you know, letting yourself have the adventure. I think a lot of times people don't let themselves have opportunity because they don't feel valued enough to have it. In the middle of all this opportunity and travel and adventure, how do you find moments or even longer periods to be restored from all of the outputting? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. And I'm still figuring out that dance. I mean, I take breaks. Like I went on vacation last weekend after a speaking gig. And that was really nice to be like, oh, I can just explore the city and I have no pressure to speak. Um, I mean, sometimes I have a lot back to back and that's just crazy. It's, it's just, it's a balance of time off and time on, you know, um, I'm about to go out of the country and hopefully not be on my phone very much. And so I'm hoping that will restore my energy for the rest of the year versus I'm like, you know, I'm a little bit at the end of myself now. So I'm hoping that I can have some more re- renewed feelings. I go on vacation. So it's really just time off, you know, and I think with an entrepreneur, you don't want to take time off. You're like, Oh, well, you know, and so for me, I'm just having to go, okay, I don't have to work today because I'm working tomorrow, a long day. What's your Enneagram again? You know, it's funny. So I thought it was a two with three wing, but I might be a three with a two wing, but I'm, I'm about 50, 53, 50, 52 two with a three wing is actually considered a motivational speaker because you're helping people. And what are the things right now that you are just absolutely in love with? That's a good question. I think it's much more of like having a streamlined structure. You know, that is what makes ultimately my life easier. Having a game plan. I'm a type A, I'm a planner. So having plans is like what I live for. And so where do you find little moments throughout the day? How do you recharge in little moments throughout the day? Like, do you have a morning routine? Do you have something that you do that really helps you? Yes and no. I mean, unfortunately, I don't because I'm in so many different time zones that I have to really base on, you know, sometimes I speak at 7am, sometimes I speak at 7pm. So I can't really have schedule. I mean, I have a structure of like, you know, reading a devotion or something in the morning, but it, it, but it's not always consistently the same. I mean, I run, that's pretty consistent. I try to run as much as I can. I'm a runner. So I run almost every day. I don't always run when I'm on the road, just based on weather and time constraints, but just kind of having some sort of thing. You know, I have the normal things where I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to have a break here. So I'm not working like a crazy person where I'm like, wow, I just did an 18 hour work day. And like yesterday I came home, I I got home 1am on essentially Wednesday morning from Boston. So I didn't, I didn't make myself work as hard yesterday as much as today. I've got to do more. So it's really just figuring out, okay, today is more of a low key day and tomorrow's a harder day. 
Does Carrie not just motivate you? She is so inspiring, and I loved getting to share her with all of you. She is your friend now, too. Speaking of friends, I would absolutely love it if you would share The Unhurried Life with some of your friends, because the more the merrier. I love getting to meet new people and chat with them. So if you would, this week, screenshot The Unhurried Life that you're listening to and post it on your stories or on your Facebook and tag me. I would be so thrilled and so honored for you to just share me with a couple of your new friends. And until next week, when we get to talk to another phenomenal woman about bravery and transitions, all the good things. Until then, I will see you over on Instagram.